Lifetime, the official athletic country club of the Minnesota Vikings, has something for every member of your family. Get your family going today at lifetime.life forward slash kids. And we have, again, we have a great job, a great building, understanding these guys' bodies. As I was saying, never be brave with another man's body. Mm. And science allows us to do that safely without us just saying, hey, we're going to go, 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 go. I was riding pedicab bikes, and that was my little side job in college. And one day, the guy I was on the back of my bike at the time, I didn't know who he was, but he was a head strength coach for the Texans and told me, come watch him work out. So I did. Wow. And I, I, that's when I had that. I said, okay, I probably could, I think I could do this. And then 12 years later, he gave me the opportunity. Welcome into the Minnesota Vikings podcast, post-NFL Combine edition. I'm Tatum Everett here with Gabe Henderson, back from Indy. We're currently inside TCO Radio Studios, happy to be home after the Combine week. Jay Nelson off this week, and we have producer Eric Davidson creating the magic yet again. But guys, it is this time that time of year when the roster starts to see some changes. We saw that happen this week. Free agency officially doesn't start until March 15th, but teams are getting primed and ready for that day. And Gabe, we saw the first tough decision this front office had to make when it came to terminating Eric Kendricks's contract. That's the business. I think um, Ben Lieber... He summed it up perfectly in his like first three seconds of his reaction video that's on Vikings.com right now. And it's like, ah, like the terrible nature of this business, but we get it. Um, and and I, I respect this move by Quasey and Kevin simply because they cut him earlier into the offseason versus later. So now Eric has an opportunity to go find a team. He has an opportunity to go build a new uh, home. And I, he, I mean, he has a family that he's growing. So for, for the human aspect, I, I respect that. Um, when it comes to the business, I respect that also because, you know, the Vikings, they got to save money. We're over the cap. And, Ooh, yeah. Um, and instead of, you know, telling some guy, hey, take less money this year. Look, we're going to cut you now. You can probably make the same amount of money somewhere else and you can probably go play for another contender. So just unfortunate. Eric's played eight years here. He's probably going to be uh, a Vikings ring of honor type of guy. Uh, top five in tackles in, in, in team history. Just the accolades that he possessed on the field doesn't even match the ones he possessed off the field. Yeah, such so, a big impact guy for this community. Huge. Mm-hmm. And just from, you know, the first year that I got here in 2020 when, you know, the pandemic hit and, you know, social justice and everything that the Vikings were putting their efforts behind, Eric Kendricks and uh, Anthony Harris, who's on the, the Philadelphia Eagles right now, those are the, the two guys that came to mind when, it came to, you know, leading that that pack of, hey, this is what we need to do. This is what the Minnesota Vikings stand for. Uh, we're, we're losing a, a great leader on the field, but also a great leader off the field. A hundred percent. I mean, I don't think I could say it any better that he was just one of the really great guys on the team. And I think really contributed and set the tone for this defense inside the locker room. But like you mentioned, the Vikings entered free agency $24 million over the cap. Kendricks frees up about $9.5 million, so there's still some work left to be done. But that is the nature of the business. Uh, Eric Kendricks will most certainly be missed. And if you want to see some of his best of that is online right now, I think everything was done really beautifully. If you saw his post, yeah. he had a nice post about how he loves the game so much and just gives it his all every single time. And I think that's very true when it comes to him as a person and him as a player. Um, 
there's really nothing else. I think I can I can echo other than that. Uh, we're gonna miss him around here for sure. I think he was always like one of the more fun guys. Yeah, had a great sense of humor. Always open to talking with the media. One of our best audible interviews was with, was with Eric this past year. He was great. They were like they they were all part of the media. It yeah. felt like when they were. Uh, yeah, Jordan. I know Jordan Hicks will probably miss the guy, but you know it, it's interesting because I think I think back to that interview though when he was released, I thought back to how he talked about the linebackers and how he's kind of more of an undersized linebacker. He's very, uses his brain more than anything when it comes to um, his position. And then I think of what Brian Flores is going to implement here. And I think it's almost a, a, it's a cap space victim, but it's also maybe a new scheme, like a, like a casualty of, of a new scheme being implemented. Yeah, I think what last year was Eric's first time ever playing in a 3-4 defense. And yeah, it probably wasn't his greatest year. But at the same time, this is the defense that is going to be the future of the Minnesota Vikings. And now you have a guy in Brian Asamoah who came from that. He's got a year into it. He's a a first-year guy. We saw promise. Now that only makes uh, the opportunity for greatness for Brian to to just be that much more higher. So I'm excited just to see how that continues to develop, I guess, his trajectory. But at the same time, um, this is a a new look defense. And I'm excited to see how Brian Flores, you know, gets the guys going. Um, I don't know a a better way or a wittier way to say that, but this is, you know, next man up. And Brian Asamoah is that next man up. Um, He had a huge respect level for for Eric. And it's just a part of the game. So I'm, I'm, I'm excited to see. Who's going to be that next guy? Who are who are going to be the, some of those young guys? Or is there going to be a free agent we bring in here that kind of fits this style and the scheme that can kind of help bring this Flores defense to life and you know move us from the 31st overall defense <laughs> to hopefully a top 20? I mean, I don't want to say you could only go up from there because technically you <laughs> could go down one spot. Man. But, uh, but yeah, I, I totally agree. Um, it's going to be really interesting to see. I know that uh, from an inside-the-facility perspective, I don't think anyone has seen Quasi for a few days now because they are just in nonstop mm. meetings and big decisions and and talks are being made right now behind the scenes and obviously more will happen as we hit that fifth that uh, March fifteenth deadline. Um, but uh, speaking of that free agency, I think it's been a pretty interesting week. When it comes to watching how the chips of the NFL fall as far as free agency. And uh, I think the biggest story probably of this week so far has been the Ravens giving Lamar Jackson that non-exclusive franchise tag. That so I feel like you have some strong thoughts on this. I do, and, <laughs> and honestly, I feel that that still is like number one. It is but like Aaron Rodgers is like a close two. It's, well, because there's just not enough info on that one right. yet, right? Well, That's they gave like, him permission. They gave him permission to talk to the Jets. But what I think you, I would have if I was the Packers as well. <sighs> I mean, even what Aaron Jones said something on Good Morning Football this week that basically said, you know, if Aaron Rodgers goes anywhere else, it's going to be the Jets. So, you know, I, OK, I had this argument with okay. one of another employee yeah. and I was like, it's going to be the Jets. Oh, absolutely. I'm not trying to toot my own horn here. But this was months ago. And I was like, it's going to be the Jets, guys. Whenever, they only need a quarterback. And when only and the thing is, if it wasn't for Nathaniel Hackett going there, I couldn't see Aaron Rodgers mm-hmm. going there. So the fact that, you know, Nathaniel yep. Hackett 
got fired in his first year as a head coach. Mm-hmm. Did he finish the year? Did he finish? No, the year? he did not finish oh. the season. No, says a lot. But um, oh yeah, I texted it, that person <laughs> and I was like, uh, "How could the Jets just say it?" <laughs> it's it like it makes sense. Like it that's does. the only move that makes sense. I guess the the Raiders also, but yeah, the like the Jets. I mean, we talked about it earlier this year. The the Jets will be the best team in the AFC if they get a, a quarterback. Like they don't even need Aaron Rodgers. But if they do get Aaron Rodgers, like. Man. I just hope he's not going to be nicer to those young receivers. <laughs> <laughs> I just do. But Lamar Jackson, like that, yeah. that is, um, I mean, clearly the Baltimore Ravens and Lamar are on two different pages. I have, I do have strong thoughts about it that probably isn't suitable for this podcast. <laughs> but at the same time, though, Come it's. Come on. I, I just don't understand how teams are saying they're out on a guy like Lamar. That has been very interesting, right? It's not even the fact that they put the franchise tag on Lamar. It's yeah. been the— Like, I'm out. I'm like, Like, what? Falcons, I'm out. Or, the you the know, youngest I'm, MVP in NFL history. Yeah. Like, th- something, this, something's fishy, right? Like, granted, you have to change your entire offense for a guy like Lamar Jackson, but he's proven to be a winner. If you put the, the right pieces around him and if you have a, a, a decent—like, Lamar has never really had a receiver. Like Marquise Marquise Brown, yeah. who's with the the Arizona Cardinals right now, he was his only deep threat. Like no, he loved to, he loved the tight end. That's exactly. like it. He Mark, had Mark Andrews. Mark Andrews. Like and that that's was it. so. I'm interested to see how that works. For for me, I think Atlanta make Atlanta makes the most sense. They said they're a, out though. The reports say they're out. Report, yeah, I can. Yeah, that offense though is not too dissimilar. I mean, right? The, you have you're trying to build it around what Marcus Mariota or Desmond Ritter. Like you, they're both got, mobile guys with half the talent of Lamar Cal Jackson. Pitts. Kyle Pitts is your tight end. That's true. And he's a 6-6 receiver. Should be much should be would be really be- much better with a better quarterback. Exactly. So I'm 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 yeah, interested good, to see yeah. how how that's going to go. Um mm. clearly what we read that what the Ravens and Lamar are 100 million dollars off is as far as like is? guaranteed mm. money. So hey, like um our upcoming interview, Marquise Johnson, better yourself and believe in yourself. And I, I guess that's what Lamar Jackson is doing right now. And um, I praise anybody that's doing that. So hopefully he gets his money and mm-hmm. I, I guess more importantly, gets the opportunity to be that guy. Well, that's the thing, too. Like he's representing himself, which I don't think is a negative, yeah. but it's definitely something that, you know, I, I wonder. It's traditional. I wonder if people or front offices uncomfortable with. Who knows? Yeah. I, I'm just speaking from nowhere of actual, so, absolute knowing. So I think his mom represents him and his mom actually like work for agency firm or work oh, with an agency firm nice. but like she doesn't really have like the actual sure. credentials quote unquote but she's knowledgeable enough to be able nice. to represent him and negotiate on his behalf so to your point of like yeah it's it's untraditional but at the same time she knows what she's talking about yeah she i don't think that worth. would count him out no yeah. but they're also like I think part of the wanting that guaranteed money, I do think that obviously they're trying to follow like the Deshaun Watson and, and right. the, he, he wants that, right? However, like you've he got sh- teams got like, <laughs> wait, what? Deshaun shouldn't have got all that money. No, he shouldn't. Yeah. No, no one agrees with that yeah. at all. Uh, but, but I think you, you look at what they've, like the three major quarterbacks who are reaching deals this offseason, Geno Smith, Daniel Jones, Derek Carr, they all have some serious guarantees, right? Like mm-hmm. Smith is 105 is excuse me, is 40 million guarantee. Jones is 160 million I think total for his deal. Carr is 100 million in total guarantees. Like they're throwing some serious guaranteed money out there. So to me, I'm yeah. like if I'm Lamar, yeah, I'd want that too because I'm better than all three of these guys. Look at my record. Look at my playoff record. Right. Like I have more regular season. Isn't Lamar like the he has like the most wins like the 
he has the most wins for his age in any right. quarterback in NFL history. So it's like, dude, give me two hundred million guaranteed. Well, I don't like, know. I don't know if I. I don't know. I don't know. I, mean, I get a hundred. If I'm, but I'm hundred and fifty. So let, I mean, has I don't think Daniel don't Jones's know. guaranteed money has come out yet. His guaranteed money has not come out yet, but he has thirty five million in incentives. So he can get one hundred and ninety five million dollars, which yes. means he's probably going to get a hundred and at least a hundred and twenty guaranteed. I, yeah. yeah, 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 probably. Yeah. So I'm just like, I know. Daniel Jones, though, like Daniel Jones. What were they going to do? He had a good season. Let him walk. You gonna let him walk? Who would you? What would you do? They don't have a high enough draft pick to get someone. They got capital. on these quarterbacks. I, I feel like I, I don't. I don't really know enough about the Giants. I think they're trying was... to recreate this season, right? <laughs> like tag Barkley, yeah. bring back Jones. If this works, yeah, great. Yeah, you gotta. I mean, that's the that's my thing about players getting all this money, right? Like I respect it. Like I think everybody needs to. Everybody deserves the money that they get. But it's hard to get all that money and then still build a team around the players with the money. 100%. Like you have to find other pieces of the puzzle to to put in place to be able to win. And I don't know enough about the Giants, but giving 195 million, possibly 195 million to Daniel Jones, like where else do you fund that money to build a team around that uh, that organization? That's why we are not NFL general managers. That is very true. But, but you're right, though. Like you you see one team making a move like that, and it just kind of tips the scales for everyone else. So you know you've got Christian Kirk with that massive deal last <laughs> yeah. year. So that's only going to make JJ's deal here that much more yeah. larger. And then he actually deserves a big, huge deal like that. For so sure. it, it, not that Christian Kirk didn't, but like maybe not to the magnitude of what JJ would get or want. And so yeah, I mean, I think. That's it's an interesting league. It's an interesting puzzle to put together. I do not envy the people in the front offices trying to figure all that out. No, but like I mean, respect to all these guys getting their money. Like for sure, they now have an opportunity to make their families better, make their families provide for you know generational wealth. So um, whether you know I agree or not to the 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 number (laughs) sign, um, I'm happy for them um, just from my personal side. And I thought it was pretty interesting in this first week two I thought obviously quarterbacks and guaranteed money following that saga was my number one and my number two storyline was the amount of running backs and franchise tags that were happening Um, you know we talk so much about how that position is just devalued over the years because of the ability to stay healthy in the league how it's just become this passing league so like the money now kind of flows the other way and it's really interesting to see like we want these really good guys But we're not really willing to pay them just yet. So eh, we'll do the tag once or twice and and call it a day. I hate to say only when describing what I'm about to say, but it's only 10 million. Right. <laughs> like when it first, like that's a lot of money. But at the same time, when you look at like how much quarterbacks are like those franchise tags, right. like 10 million for a running back like that's you could do that for one year. So Saquon Barkley with the Giants and uh, Tony Pollard with the Cowboys like that. That's that's good money for a running back. But still. And then, you're, they, you're, they, and then they franchise tag Josh Jacobs. They don't sign yeah. him the last year. Yeah. so He's literally the only person who made the Raiders any good last season. He led the season. league in rushing last year. I mean, I know Devontae yeah. Adams was good, but like it wasn't. And they have, uh, yeah. I have feelings about that. Because like you you think about their health. Like yeah. you think about like how many seasons is Josh Jacobs going to be able to perform at that level? I'll put it this way. I understand because you said running back because the Giants are trying to, you know, basically recreate what they did last year. That's what it seems like. That's what it seems like. But I think the Raiders 
franchise tagging Josh Jacobs makes more sense because they mm-hmm. have all the pieces of the puzzle together. Everybody was just injured at different times. And now their only thing they're missing is just a, a legit quarterback. And they, okay, that's what I was I was I yeah. gave you a face because I was like, wait, I thought that they don't have a quarterback. <laughs> <laughs> well, they didn't have a quarterback the last five games of the season last year either. But I, I know what you're saying because uh, Derek Carr is a saint yeah. now, and they are. I would say they're they're in prime position to sign a big time quarterback. Like that's yeah. that's an attractive market for so sure. Why not bring the, the NFL's leading rusher back? You got yep. Devontae Adams, Hunter Renfro, Darren Waller. Oh yeah, a really good old line. Chandler Jones, Max Crosby. Uh, like you, you have the pieces there. Um, me and my guy from the uh, Raiders joke all the time about it. Like. The Raiders are the Vikings. They're the Vikings of the AFC. Uh, you got all the pieces, but you just got to have a the, the right yep. year to put it all together. Yep. So we'll see. We'll see. Well, you bring up the Vikings once more. We're going to bring in the assistant strength and conditioning coach, Marquise Johnson, as you alluded to in just a second. He got back from the Combine. Gabe, you got to talk to him just about his journey in the NFL and how he got here. I think it's probably just a super insightful conversation that really takes you behind the curtain of like, the whole other facet of the game other than like the plays and what's on the field and fundamentals because like strength and conditioning is just so much of what these guys do, not just in the season. Yeah, like everything starts in the weight room. Mm -hmm. So I just like even, I mean, college, NFL, high school, but especially college, like you spend more time with strength coaches than you do with your actual coaches. Mm -hmm. And in the NFL, that's heightened even more. So the relationships that Marquise uh, Derek Keys, Josh Hinks, that entire uh, just strength staff, plus it's Tyler Williams and uh, Uriah and and everybody from the athletic training side, the, the relationships they build with these players go a long way because when these guys get a, get away from home, they're here at 6 a.m. and the first people they see are Marquise Johnsons of the world. So yeah. uh, Marquise, it was great talking to him and uh, hopefully Vikings fans enjoy it. Uh, he's a, a great guy and in my opinion, I think he's going to be a head strength and conditioning coach whether that's here for the Vikings or somewhere else in the NFL and a really unique story. So hopefully Vikings fans enjoy. One thing I really like about Marquise is his dedication to running. He's a great follow on Instagram (laughs) and he is out there in like negative temperatures. He's out there in the teens with like ice in his beard and he is out there running. And I'm like, I mean, more power to you because I don't even like to go outside when it's cold. But like, I'm just, and this is a kid from Texas. Yeah. Yeah. So impressive. I remember, uh, <laughs> God, what game was this? Because um, I've played basketball with Marquise before. And it was uh, before, it was sometime this summer. Marquise was like, man, I'm about to start this new thing. And I'm like, what are you talking about? He's like, before every single road game, whatever city we go to, I'm going to wake up at 7 a.m. and just run the city, like run downtown and just first off, get cardio in, but two, get a fill of the city. I have never ran with him. Did he do it? He's done it. He's done it. He does it every single week. So whenever we go for breakfast, like Marquise is like, we're walking out of the hotel. Marquise is walking in, like huffing and puffing. Ice in his beard, no yeah, right. <laughs> in Green Bay last yeah. year, yeah. But I mean, he he's a he's a dedicated guy, and like, I mean, I know some people might say like, you know, he's crazy. But sometimes as a strength coach, you need a crazy guy that That's really so true. that really cares about the body for you to believe. Yeah. It's just like you know, for a normal human being, it's like, do it like, yeah. I'm only working out twice this week. <laughs> well, I mean, no, you. It's such a good point, though, because yeah. I feel like they are kind of always the most intense. Yeah, like they gotta be eccentric personalities, hype men. Like yeah. that's that's kind of like their mo. You gotta be. In yeah. That, in that case, like, like there, there has to be something yeah. different about you to make uh, someone like us believe in you. So hopefully, like I said, hopefully Vikings fans enjoy. He's a really good, really good yeah. human being, but. 
More importantly, he's better at his job. (laughs) More importantly, (laughs) that's funny. Yeah, well, then let's stop, you know, hyping up Marquise and let's get to that interview with you, Gabe. All right, now we bring in our podcast guest, a friend of the show, friend of the Minnesota Vikings and assistant strength and conditioning coach for the Minnesota Vikings, Mr. Marquise Johnson. Marquise, appreciate you joining me. Uh, first things first, when we walked in here, we were talking about just last week how how much of a grind the NFL Combine is, but at the same time, it's it's rewarding for a lot of for a lot of reasons. For you, what did last week's NFL Combine mean for you? Last week's NFL Combine was great for me. Being able to work the bench press is almost like a dream come true type deal that came out randomly. Thanks to a guy I get a chance to work with every day, Derek Keys asked me a few years ago, you know, I want to work it. I said, sure. And then I didn't think really nothing of it. Then next day I wake up to a text, like, hey, come down here and work. And and next thing you know, they started telling, giving out the different responsibilities and duties or whatnot. And Josh Hinks, who ironically, that's how I met him, was through that. So he's like, hey, this guy's going to be counting. I'm going to be setting the standard for it. And you're going to be spiting. So I was like, oh, wow. Here I go, live and direct. Let's get it. And then it was fun. It's been fun ever since. And I guess I did a decent enough job. He asked me to come back and do it every year so, since then. So it's been pretty fun. But the combine is a great experience just to see friends from around the league, different guys you work with, different places. And it's real cool for me to experience it with my little brother, who I got a chance to work with here last year as an assistant quarterback coach here. And now he's moved on to the Houston Texans or whatnot. But it's just for me and him just to hang out and do something that we saw on TV miles and miles away in the comfort of at our mother's home and our dad's home in Houston, Texas, in Humble, Texas. Make sure I be politically correct with exactly <laughs> where I'm from. But uh, just to watch it live and direct, you know, and then interact with the coaches and the players and stuff like that. Then different kids I've seen through some of my college stops or whatnot to see them guys where they was as a freshman and sophomore in college, to see them trying to live out their dreams and be the next face in the NFL at some team. That's awesome, man. And um, for, for Vikings fans who don't know what uh, Marquise is talking about, about the bench press, uh, whenever you see guys working out uh, at the combine, doing as many reps as they can on the bench press, there's the guy that's spotting them in the back, slapping them on their chest, clapping, making sure everybody's hype. That guy is Marquise Johnson, the guy that we're talking to right now. And um, you do a phenomenal job. That's a great story about uh, Josh Hinks, how you met him through the combine. And I, I didn't know that personally. And seeing, you know, how Josh is kind of, you know, transcend to being the head strength and conditioning coach here for the Minnesota Vikings, it, it, it shows that all this is all full circle. Definitely. Definitely. And, um, I know you talked about your brother, um, Gerard Johnson. He was the assistant quarterbacks coach here, and now he's with the Houston Texans. Uh, you, you watched him. You guys were watching the combine, like you said, growing up. For, for him, what did last year mean for you being able to work with him here with the Minnesota Vikings? Oh, it was a blessing. You know, football separates our family in so many different ways, uh, in a great, in a good way, because he's doing his own thing and I'm doing mine. For us to collectively come together and work in the NFL together is is beyond our wildest imagination. So it was definitely something we could – I'd never forget and miss it. Definitely miss him around here, even though it's only been a couple of weeks. Yeah, I'm, I think we're all happy for him too, um, just being able to to elevate in his career. We understand his journey. Uh, Bill, Bill Walsh, he started as the Bill Walsh with the Bill Walsh Foundation. Can you correct me on that? Oh, no, oh, you, you, yeah. you're exactly right. Okay. He had a, definitely had an internship thanks to my man Ray Wright, who's a head okay. strength coach at the time. I worked for the 49ers. He came in the office one day and said, hey, man, I'm going to throw your brother's name in the hat for this, uh, this internship. And to see him work with D'Amico then and get induced to D'Amico and a lot of the other guys that D'Amico brought with him from the 49ers to the Texans, see my brother get the opportunity, especially in our hometown. My brother's going to be a new dad. Um, Man, congrats. In next month, so it's a definitely, definitely a blessing for him and for our family. Yeah, that's uh, you. You never, you never take moments like that for granted. And um, 
uh, th- this is just a, another huge opportunity for you as you excel in your career and with the Minnesota Vikings going 13 and three last year. We we all know it starts in the weight room every single day. You're waking up early, making sure the guys are prepared for you being able to see the transition of guys that come in here year one and then I guess year two or year three. How how gratifying is that to see some of those guys buy into the weight room and that pay off in the field? It's a beautiful thing. I think we have great culture around in our weight room in and in around our building. Uh, guys like coming in there. I think we set a Josh and myself, their keys, Dan, and whoever else that we have in that come to our room. We set a culture where them guys can be themselves. And they we set we talk to those guys about where they're at. It's not like the old college. Ra ra ra! Man, we talk to those guys all the time about where they're at, and we try to meet those guys. We have a standard, and it's about developing relationships. And we develop relationships each and every player in our own special ways to get the most out of those guys, and those guys buy into us as well. And I feel like, I mean, we, we've had Derek Keys on before. We had him on last year, and he one thing he talked about is relationships. And along your way, you build those relationships, and you know, along your way, starting in high school to college to you know being with other professional organizations in the NFL. How, how has your journey prepared you for where you are right now? My journey has been a, a wild one, but it's been a blessing in disguise. You know, I, I got my start in the NFL by riding pedicab bikes. Wow. Like like people don't realize that, you know, you probably see them. I know you see them outside of our stadium when the weather is nice, whatnot, but you see the big tricycles with the person driving and you ask them for a ride. That's how I met the guy that put me in the league, first of all. Wow. So I was in college. I played football at a small black college, Prairie Vandom University. I'm a very proud graduate of. And throughout that, I met. I was riding pedicab bikes. And that was my little side job in college. And one day, the guy hops on the back of my bike at the time. I didn't know who he was, but he was a head strength coach for the Texans and told me, come come watch him work out. So I did. Wow. And I, I, that's when I had that. I said, okay, I, probably could, I think I could do this. Mm-hmm. And then 12 years later, he gave me the opportunity. So that's, that's how I got in the league, first of all. Uh, but it's been it's it's been a wild journey. But just developing a relationship with just different players, understanding understand culturally where guys are at, being able to relate to guys no matter what race, creed, where they come from in the country, and not just coming into it very aggressive as like a yelling, screaming, all that. Just I feel like if you understand uh, where a guy's coming from and get, get to know a guy's family, his if he has a girlfriend, wife, kids. Uh, music is the biggest thing. I feel like a culture driver because we all listen to different music. There's three of us in, in this room right now, and we all live different things, and we work out or ride in our cars or whatnot. But if you understand an artist or just be open-minded to different music of a different player that have a different attitude towards you instead, a lot of times in different weight rooms that I've worked in, music is almost like it's, 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 it's something else where guys go guys go crazy if you like make him listen. Yeah to something that they not fun to listen to. And a lot of strength coaches, I feel like they could solve a lot of problems if they just open up their ears and just relax. It's not about them. It's about the player. It's about the player. And that just constant relationship with them guys, just talking to them about different things other than just sets, reps, and football, just life and things of that nature. What do you like to eat at out here in the Twin Cities? What do you like to eat at different cities where you've been? What do you like? What does your wife like to make? What do your mom like to make? Different food, music, just getting to know a guy, and I think they'll, they'll run through a wall for you once they get to know you. You coach a guy however you want after that. And I think another uh, another layer, from, from from my standpoint, another layer of, I guess, relationship building for y'all is when you go into the Minnesota Vikings weight room, there's there's TVs everywhere. Mm-hmm. And, on some, and on some of the TVs, there's like, you know, PR stats or or, you know, this guy, this game, he ran 21 miles per hour. But beside their stats, it's like a picture of their their high school or middle school uh, portrait of whatever they were doing. So, for example, like Brian O'Neill, it's like a picture of him playing 
basketball in high school. Like you guys, I feel like you guys like to have fun with it too, right? Definitely like to have fun with it. I think Dan does a great job of, of putting those pictures up of something they, these guys come in and laugh at. You know what I mean? Have fun with. You know what I mean? With the the social media era right now and the the Googles of the world, you can find almost a picture of any and everybody from. Is way back when because everybody has that mom, grandma, uncle, somebody that's posting something on Facebook and Google going <laughs> to find it for you. So we always we like to have fun with that. And it's definitely just a way of keeping it light and right. keeping it fun with those guys and also highlighting what they've done. And, like, we, we put some of the highlights from different games and stuff like that of those guys so they can see themselves and believe in themselves because we, the, we want the most confident guy to be as, as confident as he can be to go out there and keep winning games. Keys, who believed in you? Me. I mm. believed in me, uh, my coaches, shout out to them at Prairie View, uh, Mike Surgeon, that gave my first start, shout out to Ray Wright, uh, he was a head strength coach tonight, he's a guy, that, again, a man that I met on the bike, he believed in me, and uh, appreciate Josh Hinks for bringing me here, but like for the most part, I feel like I believed in myself to believe I can do it, even though, because I didn't have, I didn't know an NFL coach as a kid. My father was a coach, and he definitely believed in me as a player or whatnot, but that's who. That's what my foundation come from. A lot of my coaches, especially my college coaches, those they were awesome. Coach Brandon Henry Frazier gave me my opportunity to play college football at Prairie View. Can't thank him enough. But those those are people that believed in me. My brother, you know, when like things didn't look like we didn't see it. You know, we didn't have like like I didn't have this figurehead as I didn't Google a bunch of coaches. I won't lie about that. I didn't Google a bunch of people say, oh, I know this NFL strength coach that man. I just pray and I live that's and real. I work. And just go to good Lord, send me straight up. Now, I, I respect that. And um, I know you said just from understanding that someone believed in you, it kind of helped you start believing in yourself. When, when did that moment come for you that you could that you finally realize that, OK, I could I could possibly be a, a legit assistant, eventually head strength coach in the NFL? I think that came the moment that I walked into the Texans weight room working, when I just went there to watch Ray. Okay. When he was doing this thing, I'm like, okay. Then I watched how Ray moved with the way he created a culture in there with different music. Like, it'll be things that he'll play, like, gospel in the morning for certain guys on certain days. He'll play, like, certain – he'll touch everybody with – it reminded me very, very similar to, like, a DJ mm. of, like, in a – in a certain club or a party or whatnot. So they touch different people. So you might touch, hit the country western a little bit. You might <laughs> you might hit a little rap, might hit a little rock. You just get, and then once you see the face of everybody with a different kind of music, mm. you see the face and everybody's energy go up. So that kind of helped me see myself because I saw a lot of what he did in myself and his, a lot of his character. That That's that's awesome, and um, I, I think the, the first time I, I ever, you know, even heard of you, I was – I think it was Jackson States. They were doing a documentary, and um, there's a, a clip that that surfaced online of I guess Mike Zimmer calling Coach Prime Deion Sanders. Be, before I, I'm not even going to describe that. Just talk about how you got to Minnesota. That that journey from being at Jackson State, working with Deion Sanders, who you know Coach Prime, he's the biggest thing on social media right now. To you being, I guess, the 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 one selected to come to the Minnesota Vikings. And that was wild. Uh, a guy called me, one of his best friends at the time, was like, hey, man, Dion looking for a strength coach. So I go. I was like, a lot of people say, I don't know about that. I say, man, it's Dion Sanders. He <laughs> called me. When he was supposed to call me the first time, I'm sitting by the phone almost like a little kid, like falling asleep <laughs> by the phone. Like, wait. Then he really called me. I was like, oh, this this really happening. So I went out there. And it was a blessing in disguise, man. It was awesome. Dion's great. Uh, again, he, he allowed me to be myself. And just for him to 
get that call. I knew, like I said, I met Josh at the combine all the night, and then the icing on the cake was him knowing at the time Coach Zimmerman and then Dion just blowing it up, and he was he was awesome, man. Dion is great, great man, great man of character, great man of God, and he, everything about him. I enjoyed working with him. The little short time I did, I learned a lot. Learned about how how to treat people, how to be loyal to people, and Dion was great, man. He gave me the opportunity to work for him, and I'll forever be grateful to him. And that call from was who was it? Mike Zimmer that, that the video that went so yeah wild? yeah. Okay. So the video that went it's on it's on his I think it's on his first season the okay. second episode or whatnot. You can see how how I pretty much became a Viking. Yeah. And uh, I guess he called D, he called Dion or Dion called him or whatnot. They had a conversation and Dion called me right in his office. And this is that time I was in limbo. Like, I don't know if this really mm. is happening. I interviewed or whatnot. Mm-hmm. And then Dion gave me, he was like, Keys, they're going to hire you. He's like, man, you're going to be going down there. He's like, Do a, you did a great job here. I hate to lose you, but represent us well. Or represent yourself and your family. You did a great job. And I couldn't believe it. And, man, I'm going on year three and I can't wait. That's year three already? Year three. is about to start year three. Man, yep. that's crazy, man. Uh, th- that's 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 a a heck of a story, and now we're here sitting in this podcast room here at TCOPC. I voted the the number one um, facility and support staff in the NFL, and I, I know you're not going to take credit for it. But when I think of support staff, I think of guys like you because weight training and strength coach that that was on that list as far as like okay, what's the grade of the weight room? What's the grade of the strength strength staff? A plus. What what goes into you guys, your group getting an A plus when it comes to being the number one or being in the top upper echelon of strength coaches in the NFL? It goes into our culture, we said, and it goes into the players that we have in this building. And it shouts out to however these guys get here, the people that bring them here. It goes into those guys, and we appreciate those guys a lot. And like I say, we try to create a culture for those guys to be successful in, not like what if guys drag their head, I, I got to come to the place today. We, want, we like those guys to be around us. You know what I mean? It starts with Tyler, his athletic training staff. It goes on to us. It's, it's a collective group of people that that's together for a common goal, and that's about these players being successful, having the, having the things that they need, whether it's pre-practice, post-practice, pre-game, Remy and her staff and what they do. It's just a whole – it's a team. It's a team of people that want to that be successful, want, want these guys to – Use a D line, look good, feel good, play good. You know, <laughs> shout out to D Coach Prime with that one. But that's basically the motto that we do without even saying it every yeah. day. You know, so and then like I said, in the weight room, man, we work around these guys. They, they, their injuries. We try to collect, connect with those guys. What they do in the off season, where they train at, or what they've been doing, what they like to do, what they don't like to do, and also at the same time have a plan for them every single day they come in there. Where you know what, any we want to address every need that they have and we want to make sure those guys are looking good, feeling fresh so we so they can have the most success possible. You know, I played college football and just from, you know, my my strength coach, he was he was a power lifter. So he right now he he's like 60 years old. I played at Liberty University, 60 years old and he's the strongest man at his age. Personally, I, I didn't agree with his mythology on, you know, the the strength uh, portion of it because I'm like, okay, you got to be explosive to be able to play the game of football. There was a lot that he did that I was like, man, this is very helpful for what I'm doing right now. But now as you've ascended in your career and you learn different things every single day as far as this is what makes a professional football player be at his best, what would you say is probably one of the best workouts or best lifts or best uh, movements that a, a NFL player can do to be at his best on Sunday? I would say these guys just not being stuck in a box. You got to be okay. explosive. You got to be strong. You got to be able to fast. You got to be in great shape. And you got to be able to run. 
So it's our job to collectively put all all those elements together. And I think we do a great job of that here, led by Josh Tyler. And we led by science. And then explain it to a guy the why. Once you explain the guy the why of what he's doing and how what he's doing, how it gets him better and how it's safely he can, we, we can train a guy because the old days of just loading up a bunch of weight and the guy lifting a bunch heavy and being stiff and can't move, that's not that's that's not this not that's not this age of football no more. You know what I mean? Because guys ain't running just downhill out, they just banging, banging, banging. Mm-hmm. These guys you gotta run to cover real you gotta be football's in my opinion is a game of car wrecks. Mm. It's a game of car wrecks. You know, so you can have a big car, gotta chase a fast car, and vice versa. And then be out of being successful. Then you they going they gonna collide. Mm-hmm. They just be honest. They gonna collide, and you want both of them cars to get up and keep it pushing. And and I know every every position group is a different car, right? So right. How, how do you tailor um, the engine and the the piston and the the uh, just certain aspects of the transmission of each car for Sunday? You just look at the guy, look at his body frame. We do it like I say, we do a great job testing these guys when they come in, seeing how much weight they can they can gain or they need to lose. And you just tailor the workout towards the, the basic needs of their position. You have, We have great relationship with our coaches to make sure we had the best product in the weight room, which in turn had the best product of the field. Sometimes people get stuck in their own boxes or whatnot by by just like, hey, it's in a, I'm, I'm in the weight room, I stick down here, and I don't talk to the coaches upstairs, or I don't care about the injuries, they're going to do this because it's my way or the highway. That's not what we do. We talk to each position coach, each player, to figure out their needs or where we see them, where they need to be. We talk to our, our general manager and his staff and personnel and figure out where they see the guy at, what he needs to improve on. And again, it's all it goes back to that relationship because everybody in our room wants to win. Mm-hmm. So we're not stuck in our own box. Say, this is the way we do things. I'm closing my door to this person, that person, or this room and that room. That doesn't happen. So you just you tell that program to each guy, like a receiver might need something different than a DB or one receiver from the other receiver. You try to understand the game plan. Offensive, defensive philosophies, or what they're trying to do with that guy, is very deep. And then also, is the biggest thing is is backed by science. You talk about science, and I got a couple more questions for you. Just just speaking on science alone, how how has science and analytics, uh, I guess, changed the game as far as when it comes to what you do for a living? Science and analytics definitely changed it in a major way because it's the old days of just running a guy to the ground to pat yourself on the back is over with because it's like it it. Is we 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 are we were GPS units or whatnot every day for all our runs or whatnot, and it tells us basically what the naked eye can't see. Okay, you know, so it tells us how fast the guy is running, how much he's covering in each period of practice, and so it's days if we and we have it progressed by like high days and low days. If we want a day to go high, we have the numbers to show us that he's going high or he's going low or vice versa on a low day. So that's where science science is the everything because it also puts a in our head, back in the day when you and I was playing football, that we just ran because our coach told us to run, and they wore us out, and then the next day expect us to do the same thing all over again, right. and then the next day expect us to do it all over again. Well, right. now with science, we can show somebody, hey, we want a high day, so they covered this amount of yards. All right, if we keep running this amount of yards, it's right. not going to work. Something's going to give. It's, it's something's going to give. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's not going to work. So with science, we can show that sometimes a player wants to go, 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 go. Hey, man, we might need to chill out. All right, then we might look at our schedule, and we have, again we have a great job, a great building, understanding these guys' bodies. As old saying, never be brave with another man's body. Mm. And science allows us to do that safely without us just saying, "Hey, we gonna go, 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 go." 
So that's what I love about it. I love about even in the weight room. So it might be days we're moving. We use a lot of velocity-based training type stuff with our equipment that we use. And we, when we want a guy to be explosive, he got to hit a certain number. He goes red or he goes green. Then that's another number, another picture that we have some, a lot of time posted in the weight room of guys hitting certain power, certain speeds, certain velocities or whatnot. And it keeps guys competitive at the same time and keep them fresh and keep them confident that these guys, hey, they not just running me into the ground or just telling me to do this. They have a plan for me and – where we meet these guys where they're at. And these guys, again, they, they, they're the most competitive athletes in the world. Right. That's, why they, that's why they're in the league. And so these guys want to feel their freshest. And, and with science and analytics, we can help them feel their freshest. Yeah, but I, I, I was saying the same breath. I know we got to get out of here soon. But I, I was saying the same breath when, when got, a lot of guys that played in college, like, they were just freak athletes. So True. going into the weight room, like I was listening to an interview. I think it was, um, God, who was the running back? USC played with uh, – uh, Reggie Bush, he was the backup running back. Is it Lindell White? Lindell White. He was on I Am Athlete, and he was like, I never worked out. So he never worked out in college. He just showed up in 2000, I mean, 2000 rushing yard season. For, for you, how do you push guys like that in the NFL versus college where it's just like, you know, this guy's here for a degree? Like, how do you push those guys and try to find that balance of like, I got to save you, but at the same time, I want to make you work too? Again, to me, it's all about relationships. Okay. I go back to that. Like, if I had a – I've coached – Guys, every walk of life, I've been blessed in my career to coach in high school, college, pro, big college, small college, whatever, HBCU, high school the same way. And a lot of kids I coached against in high school, they also made the transition and now seeing them playing the pros or whatever. But it's all about relationships. So I got to figure out, if I had a guy like Lindell White or any of these guys, I got to figure out what he has as a strength coach. I got to figure out, all right, what does he do, how to get him in here, and that's, that's, the, that's the challenge. You know what I mean? I love it. You know what I mean? Because I, I like to be around people. Hey, man, all right, Lindell, what time, all right, when you like to work out? All right, some guys you might meet in this league that want to work out five in the morning, six in the morning. We might come in for those guys. Some guys want to work out after practice. But I think you just got to find out where guys at, and then you can push a guy as much as you want to. It just, if he, if a, if a guy rocks with you and see you care, it's almost like a parent with a kid or whatnot. If you if they see you care, they're going to work for you. That's just what I've seen. And I haven't really had too many problems with any guy, no matter what level I coached at. My last question for you. What are the weight room or just strength and conditioning goals for this group in 2023? To be the healthiest team every weekend, week out. To have the healthiest team in the league weekend, week out. That's 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 simple. Man, I, I – that's, I wasn't expecting that, and I love that answer. I was I was thinking more old school of like I want to have the strongest team, or I want to have the most athletic team. But like you, to your point, it's usually the teams that's most healthy at the end of the year that ends up winning the Super Bowl. So I, I appreciate that, and I respect respect that answer. No problem. That's Marquise Johnson, assistant strength and conditioning coach here for the Minnesota Vikings. Um, always a pleasure. Could talk to you all day, man. But appreciate your time today. No problem. Thank you, guys. Well, Gabe, I really enjoyed that. That was really good. He's a great guy. He's so good. Great guy. Um, hopefully people get some sort of inspiration for his story. Um, just from pedaling bikes to that leading yeah. to his first NFL job to him just going across the country, helping people get better at understanding their bodies to being here now. Uh, just a just a phenomenal human being. So yeah, um, enjoy really. I, I enjoyed that conversation talking to him. Yeah, I remember when he shared that story with me at training camp this past year about how you know working those connections and just meeting the right people at the right time. And I was like, man, that's such such a good tale, yeah. such a good piece of advice for um, anyone really in any field starting out. Um, you can hear more from the Vikings. 
performance strength and conditioning coaches. They are doing a press conference this week on Thursday, depending on when you listen to this podcast. You can check that out, give you more of an insight into how things have changed around here or haven't changed or how the players stay on top of their diet or their performance. I know they'll probably talk a lot about metrics and some science in there. So if you're interested in that kind of stuff, be sure to go to vikings.com and check out that press conference and that conversation with uh, our Viking strength and conditioning staff. Uh, I don't know if there really is a way to prepare someone for a moment like what just happened to Vikings wide receiver K.J. Osborne. Man. If you haven't heard this story yet, where you been, A? <laughs> Not on social media. <laughs> right? And then B, I'll give you a brief synopsis. Uh, K.J. Osborne helped pull a man out of a burning car after he hit a bridge or a pole or something like that in an accident, a car accident in Austin, Texas. K.J. was going home in his Uber And his driver pulled over and they, within three and a half minutes, pulled this man out of this car, not thinking of consequences and saved his life. I mean, just the sheer amount of heroicism, decency. I don't even know how to even put it into words. I think Kirk really said it best on Twitter. He said, if you know KJ, this shouldn't surprise you about Mm him. It's incredible. Like just for for. I mean, first and foremost, the the Uber driver stopping. Like, oh, I feel like that's like, like underrated. And apparently he was the one kind of like aiding. He yeah. totally just went straight to the car and KJ said he was a little nervous. Yeah. He was like, ah, I don't know. Yeah. You know, what if it blows up? And the guy was like, oh, no, we're doing it. Right. Like, And so then KJ was like, you're right. I should. Like, and the thing is, like, I mean, I may get ridiculed for this, but I think good things happen, like good opportunities happen for good people. And this was a good opportunity for KJ to to be a light like the light that we already know that he is in this locker room or in this building and that to be, you know, kind of elevated to this, to this standpoint. So just a, a miraculous story if you yeah. want to, you know, use that word, but man, like when I first heard about it, I'm like, what, like what's yeah. going on? But still like, man, I don't, I, I still don't really know the words to say to be it's able hard, to, yeah. to sum that up because somebody could have lost their life. Oh, um, easily. I mean, he, the driver was able to put, pick himself up a yeah. little bit out of the car and KJ and them pulled him out and then yeah. KJ pulled him away. I'm like, also like the divine sense yeah. of like you get into an accident and there's just happens to be a person who could actually lift you up out of a car right, right there. Like right. If, if it was me driving along, I couldn't get you out of the car worth tough. anything. It would have been tough. We probably I don't know. Made, maybe I would have had some like Superman strength, like yeah. the adrenaline would have been going. But you got to think like having someone willing to do that is also yeah. part of it. And and obviously, um, not obviously, but he has been making the rounds, doing yeah. interviews and stuff. So we got a lot of requests for him to speak. Yeah. And we were able to grant that request this week. As far as Vikings, you can check out the full interview with KJ Osborne. It's about 14 minutes long. Him describing what happened and talking about, you know, what led him to this moment. And I think one of the best Parts of the interview for me was him talking about why he felt compelled to do it. And so we have a blurb of that right now. But if you want to hear the whole thing, make sure you check out Vikings.com. Here's KJ. When you see that fire and, you know, just the flames, you know, even in the picture, I mean, it doesn't even give the whole, um, you know, realization of what was going on because, like, you know, the flames are, are bursting and, you know, there's tires popping, you know, that that kind of, you know, started, startled all of us. 
and everything like that. So, um, you know, it was definitely, definitely felt longer than three minutes. I feel like I've always kind of prided myself on being, you know, a leader, you know, and a stand-up guy. And, you know, like I've, I've said in other interviews, like, you know, if it wasn't for the NFL, you know, I would get my master's in criminal justice. You know, I wanted to be in the FBI or the Secret Service. So, um, you know, ironically, you know, these are the acts that, you know, I that was kind of, I was trying to aim to be my profession um, outside of the NFL. But, you know, obviously, you know, when it's live bullets and, you know, you see this, this car on fire, um, it's obviously a lot different, uh, you know, when you when you got a lot to risk like that. Um, so as far as changing me, um, I don't think it has changed me as a person, but I can say that, you know, just the experience, you know, it's kind of inspired me to, uh, you know, continue to inspire others and, and be a leader and a, and a role model. Um, because, you know, I tell kids all the time, you know, the fact that, you know, people look up to me, my family and kids or, you know, whoever, you know, inspires me to be myself every day and continue to lead and continue to, you know, even on bad days, you know, to, to present myself, um, you know, who I am, you know, first class and things like that. Definitely a, a crazy experience. You know, like I said, um, you know, right place, right time. Um, and another thing, you know, uh, it wasn't just me, you know, it was, you know, it was Arthur, it was Rita, it was Abdul, who I've, who I've you know, been in connection with and talking to out throughout this week and, um, you know, uh, staying in contact with them because they're not really on social media much. So I'm, I'm telling them, you know, this story, you know, millions of people are, are seeing this and I want you guys to um, know that people are, are grateful for you as well. Of course, they're going to talk about the football player, but, um, you know, those three are heroes. Again, you can hear the full KJ Osborne presser on his miraculous or his heroic saving of a life, really. Mm. I, I just, it's so crazy to even say that out loud still. Yeah, it's but. crazy. He said that he had never been to Austin and he <laughs> he missed his first Uber. Really? He missed his first Uber and he said if he would have gotten that first Uber, Uber he would have never seen that. So he's excited to be able to, you know, I guess experience that firsthand. But the fact that KJ was like, KJ was saying that him and the driver were the only option mm-hmm. for saving that guy's life, that that pretty much just tells you everything you need to know. So yeah. uh, kudos to him. Uh, phenomenal press conference. and So happy he's a Viking. Yeah. I mean, so happy. Happy he's alive, too. Like, that, that's, too. But yeah, man. K- it all turned out for the best. I'm excited to see what KJ does in year two because It'll I don't be know. Big. I feel like things like that motivate you and they kind of help you appreciate life. And when you get opportunities, not even when unfortunate circumstances like that happen, like it gives you another appreciation to to be better at your craft. So I'm excited to see how he takes his craft to, to, to another level. Yeah, I think a lot of fans are excited to see KJ take just another step. I feel like every year he stepped up his game. Year one to year two was astronomical. I feel like he had a, a couple of more big moments in year three. And who knows what year four can bring. Um, one last note before we sign off on the podcast this week. Uh, If you are interested in that Vikings free agency tracker, make sure you go to Vikings.com. There's a list of all of our current Vikings free agents. And then as moves begin to be made, things might change a little bit on there, but you can stay updated on that. And also, very exciting, episode three of The Voyage is out. If you haven't watched the first two episodes, they're also located on YouTube. But episode three of The Voyage is out featuring Kirk's first return to Washington and those exciting wins in Buffalo and on Thanksgiving. Check out the never-before-seen footage uh, of those games and and the -the behind-the-scenes stuff our guys got. So, I don't know. It's it's shaping out to be a really fun series so far. There's only one more episode left. The season finale is coming out next week. So, make sure you go check up. uh, Make sure you go catch up 
on the voyage right now. Yeah, I haven't. Uh, I mean, I'm not going to speak for Vikings fans here. I say watch them all right now. But like I watched episode one and I was like, you know, this was so good. I'm going to wait till the other three come out and then I'm just going to take. You're going to binge. I'm going to take three hours out my day and watch. There you go. So the first one was phenomenal. Yeah, the first one um, was really good. And, and to think that they were able to put that much content or like summarize yeah. like training camp all the way to the first game in one episode. Insane. I can't believe that we get Washington, Buffalo and Thanksgiving in an episode. So that means the it's end crazy. is going to be Epic. Colts. Colts. Is it Colts? Was I don't after want to give away. Right? We can't give away. Yeah, that was after Thanksgiving. We can't give away too much. But um, like Nate Vaughn and his crew, Alex Miller. I don't want to name every name. I mean, but, you can't give away that. I mean, everyone yeah. knows the ending. I mean, we all know what happens. Like watching a movie about the Titanic. I don't know what happens. No. <laughs> <laughs> it's like knowing that you're watching the Titanic, but like what? The ship's not going to sink at the end? Yeah, I mean, there's there's like outtakes, so maybe. <laughs> no, I know. I'm, I'm giving you a hard time. I just think it's funny because we're like, oh, we can't spoil it. We're like, yeah, it already happened. Yeah, but, but it's like I was telling Nate Vaughn, like it's, it's somewhat of a risk, right? To like. A hundred percent. Do the voyage and like save all of the, the footage that you recorded during the year for after the season yeah. like if we were 3 and 13 like oh, this is I mean what yeah do we <laughs> does does the voyage happen man right yeah that who knows but go watch it go Again, watch it that now. that's that those decisions are above Gabe and I's pay yep. grade so uh we we just we're there for the popcorn and binging yep but uh yeah make sure you go check out the kettle voyage corn. i think wait what would you say <laughs> I said kettle corn kettle corn so yeah. much better than popcorn Salt, sweet sugar. Are you are are you a butter guy? No, I, I, like, I don't like yeah, it. I went to watch Creed three last night, and the butter was. Oh, I thought that face was because of the movie. Mo- movie was okay. Okay, that's the, it. My boys hyped it up. Okay, it, it's not bad. Like after you after you watch the voyage, go watch Creed three. <laughs> What's but, better, Creed or The Voyage? The Voyage. Nice. The Voyage. Okay, you're not just saying like that because you work like, here. This is this is. I know people. Wow, what a homer! This guy's a what homer. A homer. <laughs> nah, the the Voyage. The Voyage was Voyage is is going to be really good. The first okay. the, season two, of season three, or episode two, episode three. I'm done. Not, I'm not I'm a talking, big. That's okay. Right Words now. are hard. I'm not a big movie person myself, so I have not seen. Creed probably will not see Creed. You're not I'm not gonna lie to you. I uh, it takes a it takes a very special movie for me to want to go and turn it on and watch it. And <laughs> I right, honestly, what's the special movie? My God, what's the next one? The last one I've seen. I went to the theaters. I think I was just trying to be a nice fiance. <laughs> um, <laughs> oh, Batman. Which one? Robert the Dark Pattinson. Knight? No. Right, the latest one, the latest okay. Batman. Okay. I went to the movies and saw that one. I didn't hate it. Okay. I like how he was kind of emo Batman, right? Okay. Like to me, he like wore the eyeliner. Yeah, he wasn't he trying was to save like the world. He was like in his feelings all the yeah. time. I'm a I'm a big emo Batman fan. Okay. Mm-hmm. okay, he does wear black, so that helps. Yeah, and he really was an emo dude. He kind of <laughs> reminded me of like when he played Edward in Twilight, mm. but then Edward in Twilight became Batman. Mm. <laughs> so like a vampire Batman. If you stay for this edition of the podcast, you are a true, true fan. Thank you. If you and if you stayed until the end and you're listening to this nonsense, my Twitter handle is at Tatum Everett. Gabe's Twitter handle is at Gabe A. Henderson. And please let us know that you actually stayed and listened to this. Would love to hear that. Not really sure how we end on that one, but uh, we appreciate you listening. This was fun. These are the super secret sessions of the Minnesota Vikings podcast. We'll see you guys next week. Woo.